Now this morning we are in for a special treat. Uh, Will Jones is here, and if you have heard him preach before, you know that God is using this man in incredible ways. He preaches in um, nations in South America and Africa to large crowds. And so for him to, to come here, I mean, this is, I mean, he enjoys doing this, but he also enjoys preaching to thousands of people at, at one time. And, and you get to hear him on Sundays, but he also has a very, um, well, behind-the-scenes influence here at the Hills Church because once, once a month I meet with him on a, a video conference, and he is my, like, a spiritual coach for me and for our leadership team. And so we, um, we talk. We talk uh, strategy and church health, and he asks me lots of questions. A lot of times it makes me feel uncomfortable. He's like, well, what about this? What about that? How, how are you doing with your walk with Jesus, Matthew? Like, he... He's that. So he has influence besides just preaching here on Sunday. He's someone that God has brought to us. We believe he's a gift to the Hills Church, and I hope you're expecting God to speak to your heart today uh, as, as Will comes and gives us the word. All right. Thank you again, Pastor Matthew. Uh, it's always awesome to be here at the Hills Church. It's so good to see some of your beautiful faces once again, and the weather's changing now. And so uh, I know Colorado is a, a very outdoorsy state, and uh, I'm from Oklahoma City, and so all we have there is flatlands in the Wichita Mountains. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, we have the thunder, too. Uh, so, and they lost, unfortunately, but uh, it's always good to be back here in the great state of Colorado. I just, I love Colorado. I really do. I don't love it enough to move here with my wife, uh, but uh, I, I, I love, I love Colorado, you guys. And so it's always a blessing to be here at the Hills Church. And I'm excited about this series that uh, we've been in called New. Can you just say that word with me, New. Man, doesn't that just feel good to say new? I mean, wouldn't you want to wake up every morning and just see a new car outside or something? Come on. Maybe every other, every other year you may have a new house. I mean, we all like new stuff, don't we? We do. It, it, we thrive off new stuff. And I just love this series called New because it's talking about uh, new in the sense of how the gospel changes everything how the gospel changes everything. And that, that's interesting because most people don't think of the gospel really changing things. But if you really look over the course of history throughout the world, the gospel message, and I'm going to unpack what the gospel is for some of you that may be wondering, what is the gospel? The gospel message has literally changed the course of humanity has changed the course of the world in itself. And so as we dive into the word today, uh, I've got a great picture that I want to show you. I got some friends behind me. And uh, when, when you see these friends, uh, you, what, what do you think? What, what are some thoughts that comes into your mind originally? I mean, we could be real. We don't have to be super saved today, but we could be just real about it. Like, yeah, yeah. What she said, thugs. I heard somebody say thugs. Yeah, well, you may you may think of some thugs. Some of you that are really really saved, you're like, oh, they're just regular people. That 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 that's great, uh, awesome. But when when I see these guys, I grew up in uh, an inner city, and they remind me of some of the boys I used to roll with. Uh, and they're sitting there, just man, it looks hard. They're mean mugging. But but if I could take it a step deeper. What do you think if you would see some of these guys roaming your neighborhood at night? Yeah? 
Yeah, what, 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 maybe what if they're walking by your car and, and, and it, it's dark and it's evening? What, maybe some of you would call 911. I could imagine just there's some suspicion outside of my home, and I'm not really comfortable with that. But I want to kind of show you who these guys really are. Take a look. The Fletcher Street crew through the lens of Google Pixel 2. This is their neighborhood. where they were born and raised. And this is what keeps them off the streets. These are the horses they take care of. Dusty, Nikki, and Big Mama. This is how they bring the people of Fletcher Street together. story behind every picture. <laughs> Question your lens. There's a deeper story behind every picture, my friends. This deeper the- story behind every picture. So when, when you originally saw that, I think the question that I would now ask you is, man, were your thoughts of these guys from the first original uh, picture that you saw of them, were, there, were they just, were your thoughts just? No. Were they honest and fair? Probably not, right? And so it's interesting, my friends, because when we begin to look at perspective, perspective, that's the word I really want to hammer on today. When we begin to look at perspective, the thoughts that you just kind of formulated in your mind literally formed your perspective of who these guys were. But it even goes a little deeper than that. It goes a little deeper. It goes when you talk about perspective, it deals with circumstances and situations that you've encountered in your life that have allowed you to shape this perspective on how you view something or on how you view someone. A lot of you have been through things in your life and those circumstances, those situations shaped your perspective. And there's an old saying that often goes, how you Perceive things is really what you believe. How you perceive things is, is really what you believe, and how you believe is simply how you will behave. And so when we begin to look at the gospel today, I really want to help you understand how the gospel changes our perspective for others. I really want you to see that, how the gospel message changes our perspective from others. And a lot of times when we begin to think of our perspective, our perspective drives our belief system. Our perspective can drive our our convictions. And and many of times you guys know that are married, your way is always right. Right? It's hard to see the wife's perspective or in the wife's situation. It's hard to see the husband's perspective. And me and my wife live by this saying called seek to understand before first being understood. That's a hard saying to grasp because many of us want to be understood first before we seek to understand someone else. And so when we begin to look at perspective, there's this man in the Bible and his name is Paul. Many of you may have heard of Paul. If you've never heard of the Paul, he was an apostle, a missionary, 
And Paul's basically, his biography starts in Acts, the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament, chapter 8, I want to believe, I want to say. And Paul was this, this man called a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were of this particular sect of religious group in the day of Jesus Christ and in the old, old days of, of the Bible days. And, and these Pharisees were a group of religious men that wanted to be pleasing to God. They wanted to, to, to know God's law and live out his, his law. They were very zealous. And this man named Paul, he was a Pharisee. And also he was a Jew by descent. His, his ethnicity was of the Hebrew descent. He was a Jew. And, and, and Jews were well-trained in the law of God. They were well-trained in what some would call the Ten Commandments or the Torah. They were well-trained in philosophy and logic and rhetoric. And this man, Paul, was, he was so smart. And during those days, there was this group of people called the Gentiles. And so you had two different people. You had Gentiles and then you had Jews. And the Jews absolutely hated the Gentiles. And Paul just, I mean, he couldn't even be in a room with another Gentile person. He couldn't even be in the same proximity of him. And this, this, this Jew, this Pharisee, this zealous man for God didn't even understand that he had prejudice in his own heart for who God created as his own people. And so when you begin to look at Paul's story, Paul was pursuing these group of Jews that had become what we now call Christians because they had encountered who Jesus Christ was during his time on earth. And before Jesus was killed and, resur- was killed and buried and resurrected, the, 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 the Bible tells us that Jesus spent three, 33 years on earth and spent three years with these 12 men called the disciples. And it lets us know that he was doing signs and wonders and miracles all throughout the earth. And he was really trying to let people know that he was who the Jews would call the Messiah, the one that would come and establish his kingdom on earth. But they were looking for a physical kingdom. But Jesus actually needed to come first and establish a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of man. He had to change the hearts of man first. And the way he did that was through his life, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. And, and, and the Bible tells us that Paul had begun to persecute and pursue Jews who had become Christians. He had begun to literally chase them down to take them to court and to have them persecuted and killed because he thought they were crazy because he knew the law and he thought they were blaspheming against God and he thought they were denouncing God and falling in love with this man who called himself the son of God named Jesus who called himself the Messiah. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. This is absolutely absurd. We got to stop this mess. So he began to persecute and he began to pursue Sue Christians. And he even thought that Jesus, when he was on earth, he thought that Jesus himself was called a heretic. He thought Jesus was crazy. He says, man, you're crazy. He, he, I hear about this man who, who came back from the dead, supposedly, and who lived this life and who did all these signs and wonders and miracles, and he's proclaiming to be God. This is absolutely absurd. And Paul thought Jesus was even a heretic. But I want to tell you something, my friends. Before Christ, Paul had this negative suspicious, judgmental perspective of Jews becoming Christians. And in his mind, his perspective was absolutely right. In his mind, his perspective was absolutely justified. But one day, Paul has this encounter with Jesus Christ on this, uh, on this road called Damascus. If you want to read about it, open up the Bible to Acts chapter 9. 
And you'll see Paul have this encounter with the living Jesus Christ, and he's going somewhere to pursue Christians and persecute them because they're becoming Christians and following this man named Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's knocked off this horse by this this big ray of light, and Jesus begins to speak to him. And he has this incredible encounter with Jesus that radically changes his life. Paul, the persecutor of Christians, after an encounter with Jesus, now becomes the preacher of Christianity. It's interesting how God can change people even in their brokenness. It's interesting how God can change people even when they don't like him or they're hurt or they're bitter. It's interesting how God still shows his love to people. And today what I want us to do is take a look at this man named Paul after he encountered Christ and became a Christian himself. If you can, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 11 through 17, we're going to read here. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 11 through 17. And the Bible reads this. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. So if you have that, guys, you feel free to pull it up. The Bible says this, verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. This is Paul writing this to this church in Corinth. And he says, because if we understand this responsibility to the Lord, that we work hard to persuade others. Again, that, that word there is so interesting, church, because he says we're working hard to persuade people that are not followers of Jesus to now become followers of Jesus. Here you see this man that was a persecutor of the Christian faith now becomes a preacher and a persuader of the Christian faith. And he says, we're working hard to persuade others. And he says, God knows that we are sincere, and I hope that you know this too. He says, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, he answers. But we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. So let me pause and kind of explain to you what's happening here. This church at Corinth was very much like people of our day. I call them crazy. And they had some things going on in their church that was absolutely just absurd. And Paul, this man, again, that was a persecutor that had become the preacher of the faith, had reached these people with the message of Jesus that he was, he was uh, earlier on persecuting and wanting to kill people that had been changed by the same message. And so now he's in this place of Corinth, and he reaches these people, and people begin to reach other people, and they form what we have here in, he- in, in the Hills Church, a church. They form a community of people. But they were crazy. Just reality. They were doing all kinds of things. And so one of the things that was happening was you had these outsiders that were coming in talking about Paul, this apostle, this missionary that had established this church. And they were talking bad about him and they were talking about his ministry and that he wasn't any good. So Paul here in this letter is literally defending himself, talking about that he's doing things with the sincerity of heart. He's not doing things for false motive. He's not doing things to get gain of people or money or resources. He's doing things with a sincere heart. And in verse 13, he says, if it seems we are crazy, it is is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. I love this, my friends, because Paul says, listen, if you're crazy, if we're crazy, then we're just crazy for Jesus. That's what he's saying. If we're crazy, then we're just crazy for Jesus. But if we're in our right minds... It's for you. And so today I would tell you I'm really crazy for Jesus. I do a lot of crazy things for Jesus because I love him and he's he's saved me and he's redeemed me and he's restored things in my life. But today I'm being a little modest for you. Is that okay? Good. And so verse 14, he says this. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us. This is the motive of it all. 
He lets us know. This sentence right here, verse 14, the reason why we're crazy for Jesus, the reason why we're doing things that we do, the reason why the gospel's changed our perspective is because Christ, his love, controls us. That word control literally means it compels us. It compels us to do and persuade other people to also experience his love. And he says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, Jeff talked about earlier, Pastor Jeff, new life, being born again. For those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who was raised and died for them. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone ever gave their life for me, the American way, a lot of times we feel indebted, right? Man, we owe that person something. Even though we can probably never repay them because our life is really invaluable. We would feel like we owe that person something. And what Paul here is saying, my friends, is because what Jesus Christ has done for the world, the world in the sense that everyone is separated from God. Everyone rebels and and lives in their own way. God created us in his image and likeness. And the Bible says that we rebel against God to do what we want to do. And Paul's saying here that Jesus Christ came to take our place because we could never fulfill God's requirements. And therefore, Jesus Christ died for us. Therefore, since he died for us, now we should live for him. And that's exactly what he's letting us know here. As he goes on in verse 16, he says this. And this is our key verse for today. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Let me give you that in another way. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human perspective. That's basically what he's saying. And he says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life is gone away. A new life has begun. I want to read that again because that's so liberating. It says, this means that anyone, any person in the world who belongs to Christ through receiving his forgiveness of our sins and asking him to come into our life and change us and and mold us and shape us and transform us into the person he created us to be. Anyone who has that has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. So as we look at this story, we have to see something here. Since Paul's conversion with Jesus Christ in Acts 9 that we talked about, his perspective has changed. His perspective has been, it's been, it's been altered. Because before Jesus, he had this, this perspective of, if you're, if you're following Jesus, I'm going to kill you. Because that's against what God's law said. But he didn't understand that the whole Old Testament lived out to basically bring Jesus on the scene. He didn't understand it. Even though he was so smart, he was so intellectual, he had his own perspective in mind, and God had to encounter him in order for him to understand that his perspective was not the right way, but God's perspective was the right way, and God had to encounter Paul on the Damascus Road through encountering Jesus Christ. And my friends, it's it's very similar today. Neither one of us can save ourselves. God has to encounter each and every person in his own way. That's what I love about Jesus because sometimes the people, people of God, we try to take the place of God. We, we, we can't convict people of what God does. God loves people. We don't love anybody. The only reason I love people and I love Matt and I love you, Laura, and I love you is because God is in me. 
Because if he wasn't, I would be racist. I would be prejudiced. I would, be, I would, I would, I would want to talk in bigotry. I would, I would be doing so much stuff if God hadn't showed me his love and who he is and who I am in spite of who he is. If he hadn't showed me that, my friends, I couldn't live for him. I couldn't be here standing, sharing with you guys love today. There's no way. And so Paul's perspective had to be changed. And I love this because Paul's perspective was changed simply because God had a plan for him. Oh, don't miss that. In Acts 9, it tells us Jesus talks to this man named Ananias. Read, read that story. Read that chapter. It's so interesting. He talks to this man named Ananias, and Ananias is absolutely afraid because Paul is known as a Christian killer. He's known as a Christian killer. And Jesus comes to Ananias in a dream, and he says, Ananias, go to Paul. And Ananias is like, who is that? <laughs> He's going crazy. He's like, uh-uh, that's not God. I am not going to Paul. He, he literally says this to Jesus. Paul is the one who's killing people. You want me to go to him? No way, Jesus. That's what he said. And Jesus told him, he said, this is why I need you to go, because I have appointed him. I have a plan for him that he will reach the Gentiles. Isn't that funny? Oh, I want to preach, y'all. Isn't that funny? It's funny because Paul persecuted the Jews and didn't like the Gentiles, and then God called them to the Gentiles. Isn't that crazy? Some things, that's why I tell you, don't ever tell God no. Never say no, because the very thing you say no to is the very thing he'll make you do. I'm serious. So Paul, God had a purpose for Paul to go and reach these Gentiles that he hated and to go and help the Jews understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, is the Messiah, is the Savior of the world, and he wants all men to know him and have a relationship with him so they could be connected back to their creator, God. And Paul's perspective was absolutely changed. He, he, he no longer wanted to make superficial judgments of people based upon their nationality, Greek or Jew. He, he no longer wanted to view people from their social status, rich or poor. He, he no longer wanted to view people as dumb or stupid, the intellect or the Roman citizens that had access to everything. He no longer wanted to view people that way. He wanted to see people from a spiritual perspective. He wanted to see people like this. Either you're lost without Jesus or you have found him and you are a Christian, a a son or a daughter of God, and you're in the family of God. That's how he started to see people after his encounter. And my friends, today, as we think about this, this message called this, this message called the gospel changes the, our perspective for others, as we think about this series called New, you know what, my friends? Sometimes our circumstances and our situations make us miss opportunities to be able to show who Jesus is to other people. Sometimes the things that we've went through in our life the things that we've been hurt over, the, 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 the places that we've been, that we've been scarred. It makes us miss opportunities that God has placed right in our face simply because of our perspective, how we view things. Sometimes we, just, we have a tendency to view things naturally. When God wants us to be spiritual beings, why? Because the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of our hearts once we accept Jesus Christ. And he is the person that makes us new he makes us new so that we can no longer see things from our natural perspective. He wants us to view things from a spiritual perspective. I remember this, this homeless man one day outside of the, uh, a store called Kmart where I lived. And I might have told you the story, but I, I love it because I almost missed this opportunity. 
And I walked in this store one day, and I had some funds in my hand, and I was getting ready to wire money to our African, uh, an account for our African mission that we were having in the continent of Africa. And this guy was sitting outside in a wheelchair, and I, I'm honest with you today, I'm transparent. I'm thinking, man, this guy's a swindler. He's sitting in that wheelchair. He can probably get up and walk. And so I go in the store, and I'm like, I go in with money in my mind. I'm like, I know he's coming. When I come out, he's going to ask me for some money. I know it. I know it. And so I come outside of the store after I make my transaction, wiring that, those funds to Western Union. And all of a sudden, this guy, he, he says, hey, 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 sir, excuse me. And this is why I said to him, what, man? And then I said, no, I'm just joking. And he said, oh, thank you so much. And I sat down and I began to talk to him. And I began to talk to him, and I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Kyle. And I said, man, where are you from? And he says, I'm from this area, and this was when I was living in Missouri at the time. And I said, are you married? Do you have children? And he says, yeah, I have a wife, and I have a three-year-old daughter. And I said, tell me your story, Kyle. And he began to tell me his story. He says, you know, years ago I got hurt, and it was in a bad accident, and it caused me to be paralyzed from the waist down. And I said, okay. And I said, how long have you been married? He says, man, my wife has been married for two years now. And I said, how old is your daughter? He says, she's three years old. And he says, we had our daughter, and then we decided to get married. And he just began to tell us. I said, well, I live right now with my mom, but that's just not working very well with my daughter and my mom and, and, and my wife and me. And he says, it's, it's just, he says, we haven't really had a place to stay in the last 10 days or more. And I said, man, have you eaten anything? And he says, no, I haven't eaten about three or four days. And I said, would you mind if I take you over to Wendy's right across the street? It was Wendy's across the parking lot. And he said, that'd be okay. My wife is getting ready to come, come here and meet me. Somebody's dropping her off. And I said, great, we'll wait on her. And I asked him, I said, man, can I help you get in my car and just put your wheelchair in the car? And he says, you know what? No, I can just wheelchair over. So he wheelchaired over there. His wife came and she met us. And we began to talk about things in life. And, and I knew this was at a divine moment. I knew this was an opportunity for me to share Christ with these people because not only just were they broken and hurt and lost, Jesus wanted to have a relationship with them overall. And so I began to ask them about their spirituality and if they, had, if they go to church, if, if they believed in God, and if they knew about Jesus. And I began to just ask them questions and get to know things, and they were very open and transparent with me. And so the wife, she began to kind of cry, and I noticed her tears begin to swell up, and she said, you know, I've just been mad at God my whole life. She said, there was things that happened in my, in my childhood that, that I, I just couldn't control, and I've been so mad at God. Her husband looked at me, and he said, I came to God as a young boy because my parents. He says, but I didn't really know who God was. I didn't really know who Jesus was. I, I, I heard the gospel message, but I just kind of committed because I wanted to make my parents happy. And he says, we're not really living for God. And so I began to share the gospel with them, and I asked them the question. I said, would you like to receive Christ today? I said, your situation may not change right now, my friends, but I promise you this. God takes care of his children. I said, would you want to receive Christ today? And, and, the, and the husband was very open, but the wife was very closed. My friends, I'm sharing this story with you today because the husband made a recommitment to give his life back to Christ. The wife, she decided that it wasn't the time. She felt like she, just, she still was working through some things in her life and getting over anger and bitterness and really wanted to understand why would God allow or permit certain things to happen in her life. And I understood that. I, I didn't push. I didn't, I didn't keep propelling her. I just, no, let me pray with you. 
just begin to pray with them, and they just begin to cry together. And, and I called my pastor, and I said, hey, we're going to put some uh, family up in a hotel tonight and just kind of bless them as they look for uh, another place to stay and try to find maybe some employed. And my pastor said, absolutely, let's do it. So we put them up in a hotel. But the end of that story is really amazing for me because those people weren't blessed nearly as much as I was. They weren't blessed merely as much as I was. The reason why is because I literally walked into that store with a perspective that almost made me miss the opportunity that I would have had to share Christ with him. And my friends, sometimes that is so the case for each and every one of us. We cannot allow our perspective and our circumstances and our situations that we had to endure through to block our view of how God wants us to see people. We can't allow that to happen. And so if I were to give you some practical application today, this is what I kind of want to finish up the message with. What are some things or examples of how the gospel changed Paul's perspective of others that we can learn from? Number one, I would say this, just gaining a realistic perspective of ourselves. Gaining a realistic perspective of ourselves. Listen, we all have what I like to call hurts, habits, and hangups. We all have them. If, if I would ask many of you your stories, most of us in here would be crying somehow, some way. Either because we bear witness with you and, it's, and it's, it's, it's a state of brokenness that we all have, or we rejoice with you because you haven't maybe had to endure much. Either, either end of the spectrum, we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. And we have to be able to gain a realistic perspective of ourselves because sometimes we forget where we came from. We forget what we endured. And sometimes when we see other people, we don't take that into consideration. We miss opportunities because we don't see ourselves realistically. And my friends, again, I tell you so transparently, I'm not impressed with Will. Not impressed with me. People say, oh, man, you do this for God and this for God. And, and I have friends that are doing great things for God. Listen, the, the, the commonality of all of us is we're broken. We're lost. We got hurts. We got habits that we're trying to get over, and only Jesus can help us to get over them. And we've all come from broken places. And I love what Paul says in one of his other letters. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. He says, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Sinners are people who absolutely just rebel against God. Everyone in this world is a sinner. doesn't matter. I'm not calling people a name. I'm calling you what God calls us. It's not, it's not the person, it's the behavior that's sinful. And that's why God wants to change the person because the person is the person who dictates the behaviors. And so when, 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 when he said that everyone, who, everyone is sinners in this world, Paul said this. He says, I am the worst of them all. That's what he said. He says, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst of them all. You know what he had, my friends? He had a realistic perspective of himself. He had to understand that when he was persecuting people that were wanting their lives changed, wanting to go from, 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 from being sinners to seeing a Savior, Jesus Christ, who saves us from our sins because our sins leads us to destruction, not just eternal hell, but our sins leads us to destruction. Our sins leads us to a lack of abundance and peace in our life. Our sin leads us to brokenness, all these things. And Jesus wants to save us from that, not only presently in this time to give us a life of abundance and peace and joy and happiness. He wants to save us eternally. Why? Because he created us in his image. 
And we wouldn't want anything that we've created to be destroyed. And so Paul understood that I'm the worst of all sinners. He said, man, I was persecuting the very people who Jesus came to save. I was, I, I was blaspheming. I was talking bad about them. I said they were blasphemers of God, which simply means they were disobeying God and, and saying one thing about God that he wasn't, even though he was. He, he, he said, man, I'm the worst of them all. He had a realistic perspective of himself. And my friends, that's the first thing that we can grasp when our, we want our perspective to change of other people. There's a saying that says we often judge people by their actions. Some people may say, oh, well, that wasn't my intention. I'm so sorry. But we don't judge them based on what they said their intentions was. We judge them on their actions. But we often feel like we need to be judged on our intentions. I'm sorry, that wasn't my intention. But no, that was your action. And so sometimes we, we have a perspective of people and we don't have a realistic perspective of ourselves to understand, man, I was in the same place. Man, that was me five years ago. That, that, that was me six months ago. My, my, my daughter went through that, right? I love to hear parents say, oh, my child, Johnny, he'll never do anything like that. And then 10 years later, their perspective changes. Why? Because there were people around them. All these things were happening, and they, were, they, did, they, they had this perspective like Paul in the beginning. And I went, uh-uh, it's not, uh-uh. Be realistic. We have to be realistic of who we are. We're lost, we're hurt, we're broken. People want to see our struggles more than our successes. The world doesn't want to see how good we look, how great we are. They want to see, man, I was lost, I was broken, I was hurt. They want to see our struggles because that's where we connect with them at. That's the first thing I would tell you is we have to have a realistic perspective of ourselves. And this is the second thing. So last point here as I bring this home, we have to have a realistic perspective of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. My friends, I want to tell you today, Jesus changes everything. I'm serious. He changes everything. I can't say it enough. Jesus Christ changes everything. I'm not telling you that when you get saved or when you give your life to Jesus that it's going to be all peachy. No, actually the Bible says it'll be even harder. Because we live in a world that's countercultural to following who Jesus is. Somebody slaps you and you turn your other cheek, that's countercultural. Somebody rips you off and you don't want to avenge them, but you let God who says I'm the avenger of them all avenge them and pay back justice for that's countercultural. When we have a realistic perspective of Jesus, I love what, he, what, what, the, what the book of John, chapter 317 says. It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. I hear, it's, it breaks my heart because I hear people all the time that are not saved, that are not following Jesus in this place, at that journey in their life. They feel so judged by Christians. They feel so condemned by Christians. And the Bible says that Jesus didn't come into the world to judge or condemn Christians. The opposite of what it says is it says that he came into the world to save them through him. 
So my friends, we, we have to be careful when we have this perspective that's judgmental, that's suspicious, that's, that's, that's curious, because we demonstrate who Jesus is. And if we're demonstrating judgment and judgmental, a judgmental heart and character that, that's bitter and angry and, and telling people things that, that Jesus wouldn't tell them in the way that he wouldn't tell them, my friends, we are letting people know this is how Jesus is. And we have to be very cautious of the reality of having a perspective of who Jesus Christ is because Jesus did come into the world to save sinners. And he wants to use people like you and me that were once sinners— that has now encountered him as the savior of sinners and has given us hope, not only hope eternally, but hope here presently on earth. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, but that can only happen once we get a realistic perspective of ourselves. And number two, a realistic perspective of who Jesus is. That's it. So let me ask you this question. I'll say this. When we encounter a life-changing relationship with Jesus, it should change our perspective on how we view others. People that you normally would view, that maybe wants to use you, wants to abuse you, don't look at the symptoms. Look at the root that's producing the symptoms. Don't look at the, don't look at the root of the tree, the branches, the fruit that you see. Don't look at those things. Look at what's the root problem. And the root, a lot of times, my friend, is this. People are lost, hurt, broken, and doing everything they can to survive. Doing everything they can to get what they think is right. So my friends today, when you have an understanding of Jesus and a life-changing relationship with him, he changes our perspective of how we view ourselves and others. He changes that. So as I close with this thought, let me ask you this question. What's your perspective of people? Do you view them merely from a human point of view? Do you view that homeless person? It's just homeless and they're trying to, they're trying to, to get everything they can get and they're going to go home and switch into their nice Versace sweatshirt or T-shirt and their coach jeans and their nice car and their condo in downtown Colorado. Do you, do you view that homeless person? like? Do you do that person at your job? It's, man, she just talks too much. She's so mean. She's angry. Do you, do you view her that way or do you understand that maybe she's had some things in her life that has brought her attitude about, that has brought her behaviors about to maybe what she can't forgive maybe, or she feels like she can't forgive or she feels angry or she feels bitter or she always got this meme. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're viewing that guy in your community. You see always out and about. Maybe you view him in a way that you shouldn't be viewing him simply because some things that you need to deal with in your heart. Some things that you need to, maybe, maybe you're viewing him in a way that God isn't viewing him. And you're missing an opportunity to actually be his best friend. Are you viewing people from a merely human perspective? Or are you viewing them from God's perspective? What if we could begin to view people from God's point of view? People that are lost, hurt, broken. Because we see ourselves in that same situation.
What if we could begin to see people in our jobs, in our community, in 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 workout facilities that we go to, at church like this? What if we begin to see people at our school like this? What if we begin to see people from this godly perspective that people are lost, hurt, broken, separated from God? What if we could begin to see people that way? I'll tell you what will happen, my friends. I'll tell you what, you'll change your neighborhood. You'll start bringing bread to somebody that you don't even know. I can't even cook bread. I just want to bring bread to somebody. You'll start trying to schedule events at your house when you used to before. I ain't let nobody in my house. I got roaches. You'll raid, you'll raid that thing up. And you'll have them kids in your house that's on their way to being drug addicts and on their way to being drug dealers. You'll have them kids in your house and you'll sit them down. And you'll teach them about the word. You'll teach them things. Come on, you'll, 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 you'll change your community. You know why churches exist? Simply to change a community. People of God exist in the community to change a community, to change a city, and to change a nation that can change the world. I'm serious. But we have to understand. we got to start seeing people from God's perspective. The gospel, my friends, can change your perspective on how you view others. It also changes your perspective on how you view yourself. So today, maybe one, few, several are here. And you said, man, Will, if I can be honest with you, I have never received the gospel of Jesus Christ so that my life first can be changed. I want to tell you today, the Bible says, people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't care. The Bible says, because God created the Bible, and God is the creator of the world. God left his great love letter for us, which is the Bible. It's a holy book. It's alive and active. The Bible will change your life. You don't even have to be saved and can apply principles from the Bible, and it will change your life. That's how powerful it is, because it's God's word to his creation. And the Bible lets us know, my friends, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can receive a new life in Jesus Christ. Today is the day that that your old life can pass away and the new can begin. Today is the day. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week. Today. So maybe some of you are here today and you say, Will, I have never made a commitment to give my life to Jesus Christ and to allow him to change me. Because I'm telling you, my friends, it's hard to change yourself. Some of us try to do it over and over. Self-help methods, rehab, all those things are great. Praise the Lord for them. But the only person who can change you into a new person is Jesus Christ. And I don't want to stay the same will that I was. I'm not the same will that I was because that old person has gone on. Because Christ came. Christ changed me. Christ entered my heart. And he wants to do the same in every person's heart that's here, my friend. And it's up to you, not your grandmother, not your father, not your husband, not your wife, not your significant other. It's up to you to make a decision to say, Lord, I want to be changed because I understand that my life that I'm living now leads me to destruction, brokenness, hurt, pains, habits, hangups, In Jesus, you're the only person that can change everything. So you have to make a decision. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. As we kind of close this out, 
I just invite you to close your eyes with me. Promise no one's going to take anything from you. Nobody's going to hug you. Just, just close your eyes in this moment with me. Some of you that are here, listen, you know if God is inviting you to receive his love and his grace and his mercy so that he can help you to be the person that he wants you to be. He doesn't want you to continue to try to make it on your own. He doesn't want, he understands that there are things that you've been hurt over. He understands that there's things you're struggling with, but God today meets you right where you are because that is the love of Jesus. He doesn't try to do anything else. So he meets you right where you are. So if you're here today and you would say, Will, I need to make a decision to receive the gospel, to receive Christ and to begin to follow him. I want a new life. If that's you, I count to three. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you as you receive Christ today. If that's you today and you say, well, I want to receive Christ. I want my life to be changed. I want a new life in him. And I count to three. If that's you, just raise your hand gently. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Thank you. 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 This is the best decision, my friends, you could ever make. If I were to tell you who I was, man, I wouldn't even be standing here today in Colorado. I'd be in a six-foot-five casket pushing up daisies. But Jesus changed me. Jesus changes everything. And right where you are, if you raise your hand at this moment, he's beginning to do something in your heart by the Holy Spirit that's here speaking to you. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this with me from your heart. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus rose from the grave and the dead, that you will be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer with power and meaning it, that you're giving your life to Jesus. Come on, pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, it's within your own heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I'm lost I'm hurting, and I'm broken. I need you, Lord. I give you my life, and I turn from my life of sin. I believe that you died for me, and you were raised from the dead to give me eternal life and a life abundantly here on earth. Today I receive that love. And by your word, I declare that I am saved. Thank you for saving me. I follow you for the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand? Listen, my friends, as I get ready to take my seat, I always want to be so clear about what just happened. If today you said, I'm raising my hand to commit my life to Jesus, this first time I'm raising my hand, I'm giving my life to Jesus, you've become a follower of Jesus now. Everything won't be peachy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, in this world you will have troubles. You're going to have some troubles. But the Bible promises us that Jesus will never leave those who have received him. He will never forsake those who have accepted him. And you are a child of God because the word of God says it. And God does not lie. 
So I want to let you know today, if you've received Jesus Christ, one of the things that I need you to do in taking a next step, because you're a follower and your journey has just begun. It's not the end, but it's just begun. There's a connection card on your seat. And at this church, we believe in helping people to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. If today and you said, man, I raised my hand, I gave my life to Jesus, I want you to fill out the card to let the Hills team know, please fill out this card because it's so important because what we want to do is put some materials in your hand. We want to help you take the next step in your faith because I'm telling you, Satan is not happy with your decision today. And you're going to need a community of people just like this. You're going to need to take that first step and go in public with your faith by water baptism. And that's happening here in a couple weeks. I want to tell you, my friends, this is the most exciting decision that you've ever made. Maybe some of you have been baptized before, but it was all for the wrong reasons. Guess what? You can get baptized again. It's not a sin because Jesus Christ has really come to live in your heart and you want to follow him. So I want you to take out that connection card, fill it out, and let us know I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And as Pastor Matt gets ready to come up, what we're going to ask you to do with that card is put it in the offering bucket. We don't need you to give. I mean, if you come here, give. Hallelujah. But if you've received Jesus Christ today, let us know, my friends, so that we can help you take the next step in your faith to follow Jesus. The Lord is with you. I love this church. I love what's happening, my friends. Continue to allow the gospel to change your perspective on how you view others. Because God has something special for you, just like he had for Paul. He wants you to reach people in your sphere of influence. You don't have a clue what God can do through you. I'm a living witness. Once you submit to him, once you follow him, my friends, he'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can think or ask or even imagine because he lives in you. So I'm blessed to be here with you. God bless you. Thank you again for the opportunity to share And I look forward to meeting you all soon. God bless.